Hey, welcome to Info Under the Radar, the show where we talk with an expert to simplify everyday ideas, concepts, and subjects that surround us. Hello, and welcome everyone to another episode of Info Under the Radar. You might be wondering where we have been for last one month. I was wondering the same. Where were you, Devendra, my partner in crime? <laughs> um there's a concept that was evo- as evolved in humanity since lately and centuries called exams which, uh-huh. pretty, <laughs> which pretty much everyone hates i suppose i was going through that uh-huh. so, <laughs> but where have you been yeah i was <laughs> waiting on my door when will they come and when we record another interview <laughs> i apologize and take responsibility for the delay then <laughs> great but what do we have in store for our audience today Yeah, we have a very exciting interview today with a very, very special guest. And before we talk about our guest, I think we should mention what we are actually talking about today. Mm -hmm. As you might have already seen in the title while clicking this episode, we are going to talk about wearables. So Mm -hmm. not just any wearable, we are going to talk about mostly health bands, smart watches, uh, fitness trackers. but we also touched upon a little bit about other types of wearables quote and quote your google glasses and stuff like uh, that that google glass thing that <laughs> once upon a time was a reality yeah but we didn't even stop there uh, we did talk about um, the nature of medical data that is now uh, inimitably a part of these uh, smart watches and healthcare bands and uh, the privacy concerns that surround it of course mm-hmm. um and then the very nature of the data why do i say nature of the data right. here um is because uh, there is a certain way if you have listened to our first first podcast that the websites how they collect data right however when it comes to your something that is attached to your body the nature of the data changes um there are certain devices within it that play into action so there are sensors if you know in in general what a sensor is it just records data taking cue from the physical environment mm-hmm. so there are sensors like um hydro sensor which can measure the moisture in the air right. and based on that so there are on the similar lines there are sensors in your watch mm-hmm. and the nature of the data when i talk about it's very similar to um okay it's basically first of all it's a telemetry data what a telemetry data is if you are on a phone call you're basically doing telemetry that means receiving real time information from something that is away from you we call it at a remote distance right okay so whenever that uh, equation is into the picture that is telemetry in the most broadest of term without okay. going much into it okay then the nature of data that comes in this case now that you understand sensors and telemetry mm-hmm. is called a waveform like data mm-hmm. everyone knows waves you have seen it in the oceans and if you come from a place like i do which is basically desert rajasthan northwest of india <laughs> there isn't enough water to see desert just tie a string at one end to your wall and then just start moving it up and down you'll see waves in the uh, in the string right so a waveform data is nothing but continuous data that mm-hmm. is coming every second or multiple times a second and things like that. but why is that relevant mm-hmm. in our discussion about smart watches it is relevant since we are recording something called as heartbeat we are something uh, mm-hmm. recording as how sleep works and all we we'll right. talk about that right. so all of these cannot come from like okay i measured that once a day mm-hmm. i knew your heartbeat at 215 pm mm-hmm. 
doesn't work that way. Right. It doesn't give any information. Mm -hmm. So I knew your heartbeat from point like 9 a.m. in the morning to 6 p.m. in the evening. That gives me a much more clear view of how your health is working. Uh, so this is what you meant with mm -hmm. continuous data. Yeah. So that means with every minute, the your heartbeat and the data points are being recorded there. Okay. okay. Um, I, I guess I made myself a little clear on that. I right? think so. I okay. think so. I mean, before people think, oh gosh, are they going to nerd out so much <laughs> about the data? No, that's not true. We are also going to talk mm -hmm. about, as Dev mentioned, we are going to talk about how actually these devices me measure our sleep, mm -hmm. how they track our heart rate, mm -hmm. what is future of uh, wearables, mm -hmm. how does that look like with voice and, and what yeah. other magic is happening in the world of wearables. But what we will also mm -hmm. see is that how big of, of a watch nerd you are, <laughs> Dev. Like there is a whole conversation where mm -hmm. we are talking with our guest and where Dev is like full-blown mechanical watch enthusiast. You're guilty as charged. And in that conversation, we would mention one thing that I should clarify now, which is accelerometer. We mentioned a term accelerometer there. What is essential in accelerometer is, is, a, is a very small device in your wrist that can measure vibrations in the most easiest of terms. Okay. So we'll be mentioning again and again, just think of it as a device, a very mm -hmm. small device that can measure vibrations of any sort that happens through your wrist, through mm -hmm. when you're walking and on, on those lines. Right. Yeah, I mean, besides that, we, we went into tangent talking about uh, life of our guest in Silicon Valley. I mean, mm -hmm. he has lived his entire life in California. I mean, he's one, one hell of a guy. Maybe we should talk about his bio. Yeah. yeah. So introduce him, he is none other than Greg Chemnitz, the co-author and creator of the original PostgreSQL database. Uh, people into database might be knowing him. Uh, for others, he's currently working with Google Fitbit. For people into tech, you possibly know or have seen an advertisement of Fitbit. Um, and uh, Greg has worked with uh, the Turing Award winner, Professor Michael Stonebracker. Uh, for those of you who do not know, Turing Award is like the Nobel in computer science. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he was with him uh, as, uh, during his years in UC Berkeley. Um, mm -hmm. And if you want to reach out and know more about Greg, which you should, like it's it's years and decades of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, you should definitely see his Quora and that guy has like multi-dimensional areas of interest ranging from history to wearables, to database, to tech in general, to traveling in India, to I don't know what, like it's <laughs> quite a lot. Yeah, I would, I would highly recommend that. I mean, when we will go into the interview with him, you will hear like the first question basically, or the first thing we talk about is how I and Greg met. Mm -hmm. And basically because of him being active on Quora and me, finding him very fascinating mm -hmm. and like a shameless person i am just reaching out to him and then i was i had this evil plan for three years <laughs> so that i can get him on our podcast <laughs> i knew it three years ago <laughs> so greg if you're listening to this this was all pre-planned right? <laughs> uh no uh, on a serious note greg is super nice guy in general so if you if you are really interested to just know more about certain topics which we mentioned or he mentions in the interview i think he'll, he will be more than happy if you reach out to him on social media we will add link to his uh, linkedin profile his quora and other places where you can find him in the show notes and before before we go into the interview i also want to mention i realized that was we misquoted mm -hmm. some of the terms so first was EMA. We were talking about what's the European equivalent of FDA. 
and I said EMA and the full form I gave was European Medical Agency, mm-hmm. which was not technically correct. So it's basically European Union Medicines Agency. Mm-hmm. And the second, <laughs> second mess up, which we did was uh, calling ECG or EKG. Mm-hmm. I think I said electric cardiogram, mm-hmm. but in reality, it's electrocardiogram. Yeah. But but you get the gist. That won't bother you throughout the conversation. This is just me being very precise at <laughs> yeah, this point. Yeah, and and uh, so that you know you know that we also know what we did wrong before you write <laughs> us on Twitter. If on, you write us on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> on on topic of Twitter, I mean, we first of all we want to thank some of the listeners from previous episode who mm. gave us some really valuable feedback. So thanks a lot for that. And because of that. We have also talked in this episode a lot about this episode you'll mm-hmm. hear Dev being a, a watch nerd. That's one side of him. Mm-hmm. I, I also even talked about my health anxiety at one point and mm-hmm. my dad's uh, heart-related issue and how something like wearable could be life-saving for someone which, like him. Which I think could be quite relatable to many, this health anxiety thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you should definitely stick on to till that part comes. You would also find timestamps to all of these you know, show notes. So if something interests you more than the other, feel free to scroll and jump around. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on topic of that, one, one last thing I would like to mention that from this episode onward, we will also put clips on our social media. Mm-hmm. Some of you already follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, our, our username is info under the radar on Instagram and info under radar on Twitter. Mm -hmm. If you don't follow us, please do so. We will add again the links in the show notes and Mm -hmm. we will promise you we will add clips so that you already have a taste of the episode before you take your precious one hour to to listen to us. We give you enough time before you commit to us. We take it slow. (laughs) Don't worry about it. (laughs) Uh, And on that note, Mm -hmm. welcome Greg. Hey Greg, welcome to the Hello. podcast. How Thank are you, you doing? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, we've been faring well. <laughs> <laughs> Not too bad. It's it's seven in the morning for us, so <laughs> need more caffeine. Before we go into to the podcast, I, I I think it will be fun to mention how how did you and I met? I I remember you were active on Cora. I checked yesterday. You are still active on Cora. <laughs> Uh, people who don't know Quora is a question answer website, which I was active until a few years ago. I think around 2012, 2013 started going like popular, at least in the circles I I was active yeah. in and Greg is as well. And yeah, and then I saw a lot of answers from Greg and, and I thought, oh, they are cool. And then I think we connected on Facebook and then you had a trip planned for India and then somehow I asked if you are in Bangalore, I was living in Bangalore. And then, then I, I think I kind of showed you around. I mean, I did not knew Bangalore myself. So I also saw the city. <laughs> Why are you? Yeah. How, how was that trip? It was really nice uh, meeting you in person then, by the way. Oh, that was a good trip. We, I went to, I actually went to Bangalore and I went to, went to Delhi. I went to, Amritsar. I went to um, Pune. I actually worked worked some in Pune. Mm-hmm. And I went to to see see the Taj Mahal. 
Yeah. <laughs> I went to Jaipur. And yeah, so yeah, I went, I went to a bunch of different cities and I was longest in probably in Bangalore and in, 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 I went to Vadodara also. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And we call Bangalore as the Silicon Valley of India. So maybe you felt like a bit like home possibly. <laughs> <laughs> well, certainly it, it was kind of interesting. You know, I met all kinds of Indian techies in Bangalore and, mm-hmm. and in Pune for that matter. Yeah. yeah. A lot of tech in Pune also, it seems. Yeah. I'm probably the only person to ever go to Amritsar that didn't go to the Golden Temple. Before. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's really? the whole reason people <laughs> go What happened there was, was I went there and it happened that it was like the last weekend in Diwali uh-huh. and the city was completely gridlocked. So I just fit, physically could not get anywhere near the temple. Ah, <laughs> uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the, the family I visited in Amritsar promised that Next time I go to India, they will make darn sure I get to see, see the <laughs> <laughs> it, it I did is... get to have a lot of really great P- Punjabi food, though, so that was pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but was that your first time in India? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, you traveled quite a lot, like from, like, in general, people who are not aware of the cities, Greg basically traveled all the way south to quite up in the north, Yeah. So, which is interesting. Great. Yeah, great. I, I, I guess... Uh, I guess you already have good knowledge of Indian culture and food because you did not said, oh, butter chicken or something. You said, I enjoy I mean, Punjabi you... food. So that's a good sign. <laughs> he knows about regional cuisines already. Nice, yes. great. Yeah, so maybe now now come back to come back to the boring part as some might feel <laughs> listening to this. No, uh, yeah, we, we, we thought since you are working in a variables now uh, in your current job with Fitbit, uh, we thought it will be really interesting to talk to you about variables and uh, how you use them, how we as a normal, let's say normal users worldwide use them and things around them. So I will kick off the first question and then we okay. go from there. So first of all, are you personally a big user of smart watches or health band or any other sort of wearables? Well, I, I guess the thing I've all, I, I actually have had some kind of Fitbit for about five years, you know, mm-hmm. including several years, a couple years before I actually worked there. So, so, you know, I will admit I tend not to be a particular early adopter of most technologies, but I really do like, the 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 my I've always had a Fitbit tracker, which is basically essentially the Fitbit tracker is a, a sort of thin, you know, the 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 sort of slim form factor watch. Mm-hmm. And as opposed, I just don't like the big round knobby watch thing that because it 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 kind of you know. It's easier to move your wrist around without without having a giant square thing on your on your wrist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but the tracker actually is a much friendlier form factor for that because it's basically like like a about the thickness of like a normal bracelet or or a small watch. So, and but it does, you know, the Fitbit, the watches have more apps and things in them, but the tracker. But the tracker can do all the same 
um, health monitoring and stuff that the watch can do. So mm -hmm. that's kind of an interesting point. So yeah, I mean, and so I've really love the tracker and, you know, I'm definitely a, I will admit I am a somewhat gravitationally enhanced person. So um, <laughs> what does that mean? I'm <laughs> <kind of> fat. <laughs> Oh gosh. Okay. Now I'm awake. Thanks. Thanks for that one. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I am going to use that. I don't think so. Like, yeah, I think I, I, I should be the last person using that. But the cool thing is the Fitbit definitely has helped me to kind of monitor myself and make sure I get a lot of exercise. Even in, and I've kind of stabilized my weight even if I haven't really lost much but you know I walk about like today one of the things I did was I went out and walked about about 17,000 steps or I guess about 10 kilometers or so mm -hmm. and so in in one of my favorite bird parks which is near my house and and the the, the Fitbit happily tracks that and the track I can look at the did I reach the correct step count and did I reach the right heart rate and all that kind of thing right. to make sure I actually got in a good, a good exercise. And, yeah. and I, one of the other things that it, it, I really like about it is I can track the sleep pattern and make sure I'm ac actually getting a good sleep. And, mm -hmm. and like one of the th ways you can tell with something like a, a Fitbit is you can actually see if your sleep is poor. And I realized mm -hmm. I was sleeping badly because there were noisy birds that would wake me up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, 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 we will actually go in detail about the sleep tracker. I think Deb, okay. we wanted to yeah, ask yeah. a question. I mean, you mentioned one thing I was about to ask in that um, you don't like the shape of another particular square on your wrist. No yeah. jabs taken at the company names, but but then can you please put a little light on the idea that um, do, do you feel there's some difference between a proper smartwatch, a health band, and what is like some would call like something as Garmin or any of the companies published in the field of like people who are into tracking and adventure sports, a proper sports watch. So do you feel that these three categories somehow technologically are also different in, in the way they are made and they are perceived from software and stuff? Well, certainly like, you know, my, and this is me speaking just as me, not as <laughs> an employee of anything, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, you know, certainly Garmin kind of went into the tracker world sort of from the direction of like, you know, they, they made the sort of personal GPS devices and kind of added more tracker-ish features to their GPS devices. And so that, you know, certainly they, they tend to be, you know, so if you're like a, a mountain climber or, or, you know, a hardcore runner or something, you know, Garmin tends to be in that area. Mm -hmm. Also, like if you, like if you ever are, basically they make, they make, Garmin makes sort of boat, I guess I'm not sure what it would be called, but boat avionics, you know, even though that avionics normally applies to airplanes, but basically they make like the, the electronics you would have on a boat so that you could 
tell where you are at sea and, oh, and like how deep okay. water is and all that kind of stuff. And so like, you know, definitely that's, that's Garmin's sweet spot is kind of GPS and sort of monitoring you around where you are. And Fitbit definitely went in from the health, the pure health monitoring different mm -hmm. aspect. And so, you know, that's in Fitbit kind of hit, went in the direction of having application oriented watches also, right? Mm -hmm. And whereas Apple kind of saw the, went in, in at it wanting to have a, you know, a sort of a, essentially a mini iPhone on your wrist that, that, <laughs> so you could use a, your watch to inter, interact with your iPhone. Right. And, and so they kind of added, you know, health tracking and that kind of stuff to, to, to their watches also. And so, so basically all three of these guys kind of came at, ended up at a, in sort of a similar market coming from three very different directions in some ways. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I have a question on, on that because that's very interesting. So you said that Apple Watch is more like a mini iPhone on your wrist. So, mm -hmm. so let's say that's a very interesting line of words. So that would have been my question. Is there a difference between, let's say, your smartwatch? We are not talking about health band, but smartwatch like Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. versus your actual smartphone, like mm -hmm. in terms of, cap I mean, of course, there is an obvious difference of screen size, right? But besides yeah. that, in terms of capabilities, things uh, you can perform on your uh, smartwatch versus your smartphone, what are the similarities and what are the differences? Well, certainly the, you know, the, the similarities is, is that they, they're obviously both little little computers in different form factors. Mm -hmm. And so they, they do have a universe of apps that can be run on them. Yeah. Um, and then the differences are that, you know, the watch kind of by just simple virtue of physical size has to be less powerful than a phone and has to have, you know, because it has to be charged because it has to worry about battery life, it can't quite have the big CPU you can have on a phone that has a big, a, a much bigger battery. Mm -hmm. And so that, that kind of constraint. And so like, I guess there are people that watch video on their watches, but oh, okay. <laughs> it's not something I would ever imagine doing. Like my <laughs> no. eyes suck. So it's just, <laughs> I, I tend to want, like when I'm watching video, I want I want 90 inches, not not like six. Yeah. <laughs> but it's you touch upon an, an, an interesting perception in one way that the watch face in general is now considered a small screen. But if I go back 10 years when the first uh, series of phones like the Nokia, uh, when the Nokia was a big thing back then, the screen yeah. of the Nokia was fundamentally almost of the same size as an Apple watch as <laughs> is today. Yeah. So there was a perfectly operational phone that worked at that time. However, we moved down 10 years down the line and now we are like, okay, that's a small screen and we have universally all agreed on it that, okay, that's a small screen. You did talk about one more thing that is far more fascinating to explore, which is mm -hmm. um, you said that you have to recharge the Apple Watch again and again, which is also comes in terms of the capability of the smaller size factor. However, mm -hmm. there are smart bands available in the market like Fitbit itself. 
and some of them could last days some even weeks so mm-hmm. how does those like i know that apple watch is quite demanding in the battery but even if i take that out of the equation these mm-hmm. smart bands are lasting for so many so much amount of time how does that happen on such a small device um i honestly don't know the technology behind it that well but certainly your your body you know i am speculating because i'm not actually privy to the the hardware involved but right. you know one thing that actually comes from the 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 traditional mechanical watch world is sort of the non-winding watches right and mm-hmm. and they connect they actually have little gyroscopes and things inside them that that, mm-hmm. that spin and capture energy and and uses that to charge the watch battery mm, okay yeah and so like you know like i said i'm kind of guessing mm-hmm. you know since i haven't really explored that particular tech but but it wouldn't surprise me if it isn't something like that cuz a lot of like trackers and stuff have do have mechanical parts in them as well as electronic mm-hmm. yeah so, like the accelerometer i guess me. yeah mm-hmm. yeah the accelerometer is sort of a thing that looks like an electronic thing that does mm-hmm. have mechanical components in it too yeah yeah the accelerometer in some ways is one of the coolest inventions of the 21st century that has enabled you know it's also why drone drones don't suck anymore like <laughs> like if you ever tried to fly mo- model airplanes before mm-hmm. about 2010 they 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 totally sucked because <laughs> like unless you really knew what you were doing you were going to crash the thing into the ground and and it was going to be in little pieces yeah <laughs> but once they once we figured out accelerometers then mm-hmm. the plane would have on- onboard intelligence and so it would actually fly level unless you really did something stupid with it yeah <laughs> Were you into traditional watches before the smartwatches and all of these started happening? Well, I I'm enough of a nerd that I usually didn't have one, but I I always have had a a dress watch or a quote-unquote nice watch, you know. Uh-huh. So, I'm not like I'm not like a guy who could tell you all the 437 different Rolexes there are. <laughs> are there 137? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. now but because you touch upon one thing um, it it came late mm-hmm. a little bit in the electronics stuff the ex, uh, the accelerometer and all in the smartwatch and then the phones however yeah. we uh, we are aware that even before the 2000 there were some good quality watches that were made for the pilots that already had mm-hmm. similar technology in one way or the other where they mm-hmm. were using it for navigation and for maps uh, which was very similar to what a modern day accelerometer is Uh, mm-hmm. uh and the winding thing that you mentioned that is it, i don't want to uh, go much into that but i can practically go on for an entire day if i have to uh mm-hmm. but there is also something uh, that's the spring thing that you're mentioning that we have an off centered mass uh but yeah it's I, i've never been able to draw a parallel between uh the battery life being consistently released so that it can last longer Uh, mm-hmm. and then the similar effect that happens in the traditional watches where you have a spring constant which is slowly and slowly release stores power and then slowly releases throughout the day or sometimes more than 50 hours in some of the high high end watches like alangan zone or patakili which have patented yeah. you said that quote and quote your dress and fancy watches uh 
when was it when you like which decade was it when you started exploring the traditional watches and uh, started like you said you're enough of a geek to know more about it so when did you start exploring it and how does it contrast with the current day smart watches and do you make a difference that is a more important question that i don't consider apple watch a watch i just call it a gadget but, <laughs> yeah so do, are you on the same page as that or do you have a different opinion per se well i mean at the end of the day you know a watch tells you what time it is <laughs> and, and you know certainly you know like if you get into hardcore watch ner- nerdery you know, you know you're all about like you know it's it's from switzerland and it's got it, it was handmade by elves you know in <laughs> and it cost 200,000 bucks. Uh, yeah. Devendra Devendra is really into that. Like yeah. he's really a watcher. <laughs> I I remember one conversation. Usually I'm like always talking, mm-hmm. always have mm-hmm. something to add to and I was like, dude, like I have no idea what he's telling me about. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, in some ways they're kind of like the anti-anti-cathera mechanism in that they have oh. it's like let's do 800 bazillion things with gearing. <laughs> it's like really really small yeah and and it is really really kind of amazing all the stuff they can do with with a whole lot of little tiny gears yeah yeah like and, keeping moon phase and then keeping an idea of the leap years and everything without any batteries yeah. or anything which is quite yeah. quite cool <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I yeah i mean i had i had a a nice or I still have it because I, mm-hmm. I, I actually like to wear my dress watch when I like dress up because mm-hmm. it, it does look cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In some ways, that's one of the problems with electronic watches, with these smart watches and digital watches generally is they just don't look cool. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, At least they don't have like ugly. hands and that kind of thing. <laughs> but, but the, isn't there a... a I think Dev, you were showing me mm-hmm. there is like mm-hmm. these some of these mm-hmm. like traditional yeah. watchmakers like Montblanc. Yeah, Montblanc some... has a, a hybrid watch which which gives you the feel of the traditional ones, uh, the yeah. shape and the dial and even the caliber looks more or less the same in the electronic version. Uh, mm-hmm. It comes close to being somewhat of a good-looking one, but. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Like some most of the smartwatches are just ugly and they're piece of gadgets. Like. Come on, I, I I think Apple Watch look fine. Uh, okay, <laughs> maybe. Okay, I guess. I, no, I mean, they, I mean, basically, they they tend to work best if they aren't trying to pretend to be mm-hmm. a fashion accessory. That that yeah. this is a technology thing you wear on your wrist. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe now we from the world of watches and realizing Dev you are a watcher for sure and and Greg <laughs> like to dress up so that's good. Uh, <laughs> I dress up like one once or twice a year. But yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, In that sense, I'm definitely. A classic Silicon Valley guy. Like, <laughs> much more likely to be in shorts and flip flops than, than. Yeah, I remember when I even when I met Greg, I remember he he was not in flip flops, but he was in his t-shirt and shorts. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be fair, yeah. Bangalore is also pretty yeah. warm. Uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah. on a, on a serious question, maybe a little bit, which is kind of much closer to people who live in EU, people like us, it's much closer to us. I'm not saying it's not close to people in US or in other countries, 
privacy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as you know very well that these watches. So now, when when I say watches, I'm talking about smart watches or yeah. fitness trackers itself. They yeah. track a lot of activities from our step counter to our heart rate to sleep and a lot of other things which I don't even know mm-hmm. about. Uh, what is the let's say what are the consequences when it comes to this data mm-hmm. and privacy because this is very personal health record not not necessarily all of it but for example let's mm-hmm. say there are uh, i mean now with new apple watch uh, it has even a lot more of heart data than your average watch right so this is like very pretty much medical record which in a way we are sharing with these companies which are not always having a good track record of you know data mm-hmm. privacy and stuff we actually even talked a whole episode about data privacy so shameless plug but you can check out our first episode <laughs> on that uh, yeah so what are your what are your thoughts on it and how does that look like for for you as someone who actually works and deals with data in day to day life oh i mean certainly we we try very hard to secure the data in in manage it using the, the best practices for any kind of sensitive data. You know, I actually used to work in, in, in financial transaction data, and we actually have a lot, basically the same policies for the, for the health data that I had when I worked with financial transaction data that mm-hmm. was like credit card usage stuff. And so, you know, basically the, the, the best pra- practices tend to be pretty similar in both areas. And, you know, we're very careful to try to make sure that that we stick with those, yeah. Uh, talking about the privacy aspect that you mentioned, the very mm-hmm. idea of privacy you got to know in the last one was that if a data can be used to pinpoint me as an individual, that is privacy. So let's say my uh, walk counts throughout the day or my heart rate, let's say somehow someone got an access of those along with my name. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think would it be enough to track me down individually at some level? You mean your heart rate? My heart rate, my step count, and my name. So basically, your health data. If let's say your mm-hmm. health data and and maybe we can use metadata mm-hmm. is acquired by someone like a bad guy, quote unquote. What can they do with it? Maybe in simple terms. Well, I mean they. I guess if I was trying to think like an evil hacker and I had <laughs> access to someone's heart rate data, mm-hmm. if I did know where you lived, I might be able to figure out your sleeping pattern, mm-hmm. you know, okay. in which case I would know when to rob you. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, yep. that, that paints a very clear and vivid picture now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, with just your... Just your 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 name plus, it's actually not that hard to to pair up a name with an address, even even with just records you can find online. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So I I assume that if I'm an evil hacker enough to get get someone's heart rate data, I can probably figure out where they live. Yeah. <laughs> mm, let's let's take one step even back, the mm-hmm. and generalize it in the sense. Um, the very nature of the data that comes from these smartwatches or uh, health bands is mm-hmm. somewhat different from the regular data that comes, let's say, from a website. 
mm-hmm. right so could you put could you maybe paint that picture a little more clearly like what exactly is the difference are we talking here well i mean it's it's sensor data at least at least in terms of the technical type of data that it is it's mm-hmm. it's a it's sensor data just like you you would get from any other kind of sensor and so it it's basically you know essentially waveform data in in observational data so in how a lot of this how a lot of the magic works is we try to figure out like the various kinds of waveforms that that like correspond to you being asleep or correspond to you you running or correspond to you doing various other things and and then the waveforms that we get off of off of your gadget and it's kind of a pattern match thing so like you know we we fi- we figure out which waveform it's closest to and then say oh you're probably asleep or oh you're probably swimming yeah that kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah yeah maybe that will take me to my next question because that's to me is very fascinating how these uh, health bands i mean i use one as well uh, how are they able to track our sleep so well mm-hmm. how does that work internally and how correct is that data when they show on the app that you had 2 hours of deep sleep uh, or mm-hmm. on the weekend of drinking you had 1 hour of deep sleep and mm-hmm. other uh, the whole other 6 hours were light sleep how does that differentiation come about and how does that internally let's say work well pretty much everybody in the industry they have two things they have an accelerometer and then they have like a little laser thing right mm-hmm. So like like if you look at like your Fitbit you're going to see like it's got like a, a little green th- green laser mm-hmm. coming off of it and that thing basically you know just reads reads your wrist and that's how it actually tracks your heart rate okay and and it also tracks things like like the strength of the the beating and that kind of thing so it's not just tracking your rate it's also tracking you know the the strength of of the blood flow and and that kind of stuff oh. so so it actually can do a quite a lot lot of stuff and like i said it kind of is all about the waveforms right mm-hmm. and so one of the things that you know there's a whole lot of empirical stuff that and that a, someone who makes trackers will need to do like so you're going to need to like get it get like 100 people and have them sleep Mm-hmm. so you can capture the the waveform that that comes off of them while they're sleeping and you'll use sort of more traditional methods to figure out whether they're like in deep sleep or rem sleep or light mm-hmm. sleep or not really asleep yeah yeah <laughs> you know so you sort of pair that up and you there is certainly an uncertainty there but just my own impression is when i look at my fitbit and i i see like oh you were not sleeping very well then and i realize yep that was when that was when the crows outside my window woke me up yeah <laughs> <laughs> is this how you are waking up every day in mountain view california crows are coming to your windows <laughs> is that oh, the dream <laughs> some every oh, every yeah especially this time of year there's lots of crows flying around and there, okay. there's big trees around my house and they right. they kind of do their thing so yeah <laughs> <Do> their thing. <laughs> yeah um yes, they they bombed my 
our car this morning and we had to clean it. But <laughs> <laughs> From the way you describe this waveform matching, uh, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's kind of becomes in one way uh, natural to think that it's a very continuous form of data that it's coming on at maybe multiple times a minute, right? Yeah. You have been like, you have done quite a lot in the terms of databases. Like, yeah. So does, what is your uh, take on the fact that uh, on the storage of a data that is of this, so like let's, these are called time series data in, in yeah. general, right? So does essentially, does it change the nature of the way we store the data in databases when uh, it changes from the traditional data that is coming from, uh, let's say a website compared to this time series continuous data that comes from our watches? Well, I mean, it's certainly stored differently, but it's still mm -hmm. pretty, I mean, frankly, the first databases did store telemetry. You know, you know that mm -hmm. is exactly what came off of from Apollo and, and, you know, going back to the earliest data sets that people got off of sensors was, was exactly, you know, time series telemetry data. And so, you know, in a weird way, like someone who might look at look at our databases, if they're trying, if they're expecting it to look like web logs, it, that's not what it looks like. But it, it'll, if it was someone from who like saw the data sets from Apollo or or you know various satellites and stuff, that mm -hmm. it would look much more familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So basically, you know, that's pretty much. And you know, when the devices synchronize themselves with you, because essentially how all, pretty much everybody's gadget works is the device Bluetooth synchronizes with with a smartphone, and then the smartphone mm -hmm. uploads to the internet. Right. And and then that then it, it goes through various things and ultimately ends up in in the databases. That, but doesn't uh, watches like I, I'm not sure I'm not an Apple Watch user. So I could be wrong, but don't new watches have some capabilities of internet already like within them, like the hardware is there or, or is this still yeah, some not of the case? newer, in fact, some of the newer Fitbits actually come with onboard internet. So you actually don't uh -huh. need a smartwatch to synchronize, uh -huh. but you know, they tend to be more power hungry than, than right. the ones that don't have it. Cause mm -hmm. you know, yeah, the, 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 Connecting to internet and synch synchronizing operation is a is a rather hungry operation. So mm -hmm. it tends to burn the battery quicker. Yeah, I I think uh, one very interesting thing, which at least I find with health bands, is as you said, you know what your sleep looked like, right? And you realized, oh yeah those crows wake you up because of that your deep sleep was not so good for example or how yeah. much you walked yesterday like 17,000 steps or something yeah. like that I, I yeah. found it very effective for example with my parents because I mean they walk a lot but they don't keep track of anything or they don't used to keep track of anything and yeah. there were days where they were very lazy and they were always telling me like oh yeah no we have walked and then then I gifted both of my parents health bands and now mm -hmm. they are super competitive. They are, they are much more active, I would say. And, and then they are very much fascinated by, you know, their heart rates, 
their sleep pattern and stuff like that. So I, I, I started seeing like, oh, it can be really helpful, especially for people who are getting rather older. And then yeah. I, I also realized that last year or maybe a year before in the new Apple watches, there is also an option of electric cardiogram, EKG or ECG in some countries. Mm-hmm. So now yeah. these these devices are coming very close to actual like medical usage. Like ECG is something you can't even perform at every clinic. You need to have certain devices to do that. And now the small square on your wrist is able to do that. Can you tell us if you have any idea, for example, how this Apple Watch is able to do that? And secondly, where do you see, let's say the future of health bands or smartwatches, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we are using them interchangeably and loosely here. Uh, look like when it comes to these capabilities, when it comes to medical capabilities, beside your regular, you know, uh, fitness tracking, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, the ECG or EKG, the, the, the thing they would need to, to do that would be some kind of uh, they would need a, a a way to gather the electrical impulses in your going through your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I actually don't know the specific hardware involved, but mm-hmm. but like kind of like how the heart rate is all about can be tracked with a with a, with a little laser. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would I would gather that there's some kind of you know mag- magnetic reader that that is also on board to to do the the EKG ECG feature, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, so that as far as the ne- the next generation, one thing that we're really all of us really would like to do is to get to where we can actually get these things to be actual certified medical devices, which they currently are not. Right. Yeah. I think Apple watches, right? Like, uh, no, I don't think anybody is yeah. an actual. But I was reading that. I don't that... think anybody has an. I, I, I better not talk out of turn, but yeah, <laughs> I don't think. I do not believe anybody has an has a, an FDA approved mm. medical device certification for for any of their trackers or watches yet. Right. Or, or, or the, I don't know what the EU equivalent of the FDA is, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, EMA is European yeah. Medical Association. Yeah. But yeah, but you know, because <clears throat> once you cross that, because <clears throat> that bridge is a pretty tough bridge to cross because things go from being, you know, kind of nice things for improving your health to being things that actually have to be defended in court <laughs> that's true as, as functioning correctly and that kind of thing right. yes, which and people also fall prey to self-diagnosis then yeah hmm? people would fall prey to self-diagnosis then like even today if there is a small symptom people just go and google it and if you have yeah. ever googled a basic symptom on google you know that everything <laughs> leads to cancer yeah <laughs> oh yeah webmd, for WebMD. Web. basically webmd yeah i mean to be honest it's a it's a problem i mean uh, I'm going to admit, I, I tend to have health anxiety. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and for someone like me, who is, mm-hmm. I mean, who kind of grew up with internet, 
To me, that's yeah. the most simple thing to do. And I have made myself go crazy sometimes, like, uh, and, and, and I end up luckily having nothing, but still it was really horrible time, yeah. time frame for me. So that's something I'm working on. So yeah. It's... Well, certainly you can feel like, oh, I, I have a rash. It's like, <laughs> it, it could either be like, you know, I, I scraped myself a couple of days ago, or it's like developing skin cancer. Oh! Yeah. yeah 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 no no totally i mean the i i i was talking to to my we call it house art here or family doctor let's say in english uh, i was mm-hmm. talking to him and he was saying yeah because i have had let's say previous experience where my my dad got sick when i was mm-hmm. i mean relatively younger so my brain is like oh because he did not took care of, you know, his early symptoms and he ended up being in hospital. I am like so overconscious and a little bit of hypochondriac. So yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know if these things are actually good or bad for people like me. And then I'm always doing ECG on my <laughs> I mean, possibly mm-hmm. blaming the gadget or putting it on the gadget isn't always the smartest thing, but yeah. these are the things that are bound to happen once mm-hmm. we cross that bridge. You mentioned one more thing in the beginning of the que- uh, your answer that, um, basically these smartwatches use a smartphone for Bluetooth and connectivity, and then they operate in that fashion. Do you see a smartwatch and a smartphone as a competing technology or as a supporting technology? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I mean, it's kind of an, it's certainly an interesting question because, you know, when the, I mean, in some ways the earliest, I don't know if you ever know, heard of the American comic strip called Dick Tracy. Yes, <laughs> but, I haven't. But Dick, Tracy, Dick Tracy had his two-way wrist TV in the 1930s. Okay. Yeah, so like in the two-way wrist TV was, was basically, you know, obviously a, a, you know, someone's dream of what a smartwatch might look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, and certainly, the irony is people have actually tried some to have kind of phones have a watch form factor, Mm -hmm. but for various reasons that they haven't really worked out that because certainly the technology is there to do it, but people tend to, because, you know, one thing it's kind of hard to talk into it. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. it it looks cool to do this in in like a Dick Tracy (laughs) strip, but you know, you know, are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> or do you, or do you, or will you have to have, have wireless headphones that, that route the call through your, your watch? And that's probably a more likely scenario, mm-hmm. but, but at least, you know, my impression is, is the, you know, just things like the, the bigger CPU that you tend to need to support voice and, and stuff will probably mean that the it'll be a while before mm-hmm. you know you have you have fast but low power enough cpus to work, work in it in a a watch form factor for very long yeah mm-hmm. so that would so i tend to be a, a bit of a skeptic about those taking off at least right now but at some point they might and but certain certainly they will for the voice part of this, you would still probably want to do it using like wireless headphones or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I just have a small the, question. I on... still want to see the 
the two-way wrist TV is, <laughs> is, is still cool. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. I, 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 yeah. Because you, you mentioned a lot about voice. I mean, I'm curious now. I mean, we are definitely into voice form. I mean, that's why we are doing a podcast. Uh, I, am, I yeah. have been really uh, spending a lot of time on apps like Clubhouse, which are becoming like a new social media phenomena. I'm curious, as you mentioned mm -hmm. about like, you know, in a fun way, talking to your watch is cool. I mean, do you see like, or, or do you know already like watches which have capabilities or are already working on, I don't know, some sort of voice based solutions of sort so that users can get more out of, you know, their smart watch or a smart band, whatever you want to call it, than just the health related stuff which we have right now? Um, certainly, yeah. I've heard that various players are certainly investigating things like using, being able to give voice commands to your, your, your gadget. So you could like, because right now the interface to, usually you sort of change things on your, on your Fitbit by like, you know, by like hitting it, you know, or, or pushing buttons <laughs> on it. Yeah, and, it, and if you're running, you know, you might not want to, you know, stop and start fiddling with your Fitbit to, to like change its mode or whatever. Right. So like, you know, it would be cool. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying anything like this is being done because I honestly don't know, but it'd be cool mm -hmm. to say something like, hey, Fitbit, you know, start, you know, start workout to start mm -hmm. tracking my workout in number two or something like that. Yeah. Right. And, you know, sort of almost kind of like a Siri for your, your, your tracker. Yeah. Right. Right. We remained in the domain of uh, smartwatches and health band as of now, but essentially from what I can uh, think and see is that every major company would want to make humans cyborg in the coming day and age. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have your smart glass, like, there used to be something called a smart glasses that looked cool and all of these mm -hmm. things. When let's say, assuming there are four to five different smart devices per user, what sort of a mm -hmm. technical challenge uh, in the terms of data set uh, or from the point of view of backend, which is your expertise, does it take mm -hmm. uh, to architecture around it when you have so many different sources interacting with sensitive private data? and all of them mm -hmm. coming in, then you have to store them. And how do you store them? And for how long does a company typically store all of these data? Because most of it would be trash. Mm -hmm. Well, certainly it's kind of like any big data set that mm -hmm. over time you tend to aggregate it mm -hmm. and, you, and you keep the aggregations and get rid of the raw data eventually just because there's so darn much of it. You know, there are uses for the raw data for sort of like, for some kinds of stuff, but yeah, you know, because, but yeah, I mean that in terms of the data that comes off, off of these devices, you know, you know, like eventually like it, it'll, we, you'll end up keeping things like how many steps you did that day mm -hmm. and, and what was your basic sleep pattern, mm -hmm. but the actual details that, that was used to generate that or the actual raw data that was used to generate that aggregated data will eventually age out and, you know, okay. and so like, you know, so, so basically now, unfortunately, if Mr. Evil Hacker, 
I mean, it's actually a one of the things that's tricky is you'd have to be a hacker that actually knew what they were looking at in the database, and that actually is pretty tricky. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you you never want to say that op, you you never want to make the argument that technical obfuscation is is enough, but certainly it's a lot harder to read, you know, you know, device telemetry that's basically you know binary bits data mm -hmm. than it is to re read like a web log. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, so like, yeah. And at your end, uh, like logs is something that I can explain it to in general anyone, right? It's a text file. People read it. Yeah. There is a timestamp. It's but human your, readable. Yeah. yeah. But from your mm -hmm. end, when you see all of these different sources of data that you mentioned that comes in, it, mm -hmm. it particularly looks different from someone who's designing designing what is called as a backend, right? Mm -hmm. So what are the things that are taken into consideration when all of these things and the amount of data like in the three, all the three dimensions, which is volume, velocity, and variety is increasing? What are the architectural mm -hmm. things? Not the confidential part, like you can skip all of those, but in general, from the point of view of understanding that, what are the architectural decisions and design choices that you make when that thing comes? Well, certainly the big thing is, in a weird way, it's still all time series data is mm -hmm. one, one thing is, so it tends to be, it's not nearly as, as dramatically different from each other as, as stored data as one might think, you know, it tend, you know, it's, it's basically says it in this interval, I have this array of bits that have some magic meaning that's determined by the metadata. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that array of bits tends to be pretty, you know, it is often literally an array of bits. Like, you know, it's, it's not something you could read and know what, know what the heck it means. Yeah. But yeah. So basically, you know, we, you know, we, in terms of the databases we use, we actually use, you know, a mixture of like Cassandra and and MySQL for a lot of our stuff. Okay. Yeah. You you might have to, but okay. Well, I, I, in, I mean, in, we can we can also we can also set up a stage for <laughs> for because of course, if we have to talk about. MySQL and Cassandra yeah, that will, <laughs> that will yeah. get technical. Yeah. Uh, but okay. yeah, we can we can definitely explain that part in the in the okay. in the beginning of interview as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Since since we are we already realized that it's about one hour of talking to you, and there is so much so much more we yeah. have we had in our script. So I, I'm gonna ask. Uh, some more questions before we run out of time. I know it's getting late there in California as well. That's and fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I'm a late night person, don't worry. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So so I I I was just curious. One thing before before we sort of go to the end of the interview, one fun thing which I like about my my health band is that it also tells me, hey, hey, loser, you have been sitting on this desk for two hours. Why don't you yeah. take a walk or something? How are yeah. they how are they doing that so accurately? Like what's the magic happening behind that? Well, I mean, in it actually just it's a it's actually a pretty simple aggregation. It just says, mm -hmm. I know when the when was the last time it basically just 
says, you know, how many steps have you done every hour, right? Mm -hmm. And it says, you know, the actual alert is basically, you know, you, you've done less than 250 steps and it's now, you know, 10 minutes to the top of the hour. Mm -hmm. So why don't you get off your butt and go do, <laughs> fin finish out 250 uh -huh. steps so you get some blood flow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a simple oh, yeah. mathematical calculation basically yeah. happening. Yeah, I mean, the... no, no, no deep machine learning there. It's <laughs> a pretty simple thing. No, yeah. no dark magic. I mean, yeah. I, I'm curious, how, how did you, did you end up like in this world of variables? I mean, uh, you have such an impressive resume, like working for the should I say big brother? I mean, you were working for Lockheed Martin, so <laughs> we don't have to talk about those days. No, just kidding. Uh, from there to working on databases, like working on really complex projects, how did you end up like in the world of variables? D did that inherently excited you or was it just the, the technical challenge associated, uh, associated with that? Well, uh, I, I've always really liked, you know, I mean, the, the honest answer is my, my friend worked there and, mm -hmm. and I, I, I had take, taken a sabbatical and he kind of told me how, how interesting it was to work there. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when my sabbatical, I was done with my sabbatical, which was, I actually went to India during that sabbatical period. Uh -huh. and, and, and my friend invited me in and, and, I kind of really liked the company and, you know, one of the things I kind of liked about Fitbit was at most companies I've worked at, I worked on really deep down in the bowels of stuff kind of companies <laughs> where like, if I was trying to explain to someone what I was doing, it would right. like say like, okay, well, oh, I, I'm writing database storage engines, you know, like, like, how do you explain to your mother what a database story is? <laughs> but, but the cool thing is, like, I can actually show my mom a Fitbit and she can see that it, it does step counting and she could say, you know, oh, that's what you're working on. How cool. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make your mom proud. I see. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know, the irony is in one of my previous companies, I actually worked on it on a database that actually went into small devices like phones and in small sensors. And that was one of the other things I liked about Fitbit was there, you know, I could kind of see the possibilities of small gadgets that had onboard data management as, as well as backend data management. Mm -hmm. And, and Fit, Fitbits and things like Fitbits were kind of finally beginning to see, to realize the potential of that, that mm -hmm. I always kind of thought smartphones kind of cheated because they're just, they're just basically computers in a different kind of box, but, <laughs> but trackers and wearables are, are actual small devices of, of the old school that are, are now doing high, pretty higher order computery things actually in the device, as well as just streaming data to the back end and having it do stuff done there so uh, yeah. 
could could you explain it like in the very let's say you're explaining it to your mother i have to explain it to my mother <laughs> what would be a very brief difference between the onboard data on a smartwatch and then the data that goes uh in the servers uh there mm-hmm. the the storage database because that's where you say that smartwatches are not cheating right <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i mean basically like the smartwatch actually will have a a very you know a very small set of little programs in them that mm-hmm. actually do the the first pass of figuring out what you're doing you know because mm-hmm. you know a whole lot of the processing it is actually done in the in the watch itself and so they they will assemble the observations gathered by the the mechanical parts of the watch and they will do immediate you know observing of stuff like that's also things like like how your smartwatch detects that you fell down it doesn't need to go to the server to figure that out it actually detects that in the device but yeah i mean basically the the a whole lot of immediate processing is actually done in in the device itself based on the gather data it's gathered from it the the physical sensors in the device mm-hmm. that and and then the that same suite of little bits of software that is actually in your smartphone will right occasionally squirt the data to your to your to your phone mm-hmm. and then the phone be, will relay that data to the to the over the cloud into you know fitbits backend world and in that area there will be further processing done to figure out like that's actually how how we figure out your sleep your sleep quality and stuff that right. the device doesn't have the onboard intelligence to figure out whether you, what kind of sleep you were doing mm-hmm. but and so like that actually is figured out in the back end mm-hmm. that's all, a very creative solution as well yeah mm-hmm. like there is a lot of design choices that would must have been made here which which sounds great to that which what is to be done on the board and then what can be relayed for the type of data that is not so urgent that, that is fascinating yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. I cut you off. No, I I just wanted to ask. Like, uh, I I have a I I promise I have a fun question for you, Greg, at the end. <laughs> But before that, one one last let's say question, which I want to ask on this this topic is, where do you see like the future of wearables? Or or you can also say, what would you like to see in the yeah. future of wearables? And when I say wearable, uh, it can be also you know like. for example smart glasses like google glasses or something like that uh, or mm-hmm. or of course the thing which we have talked for last one hour or so about health bands uh, fitbits and stuff like that yeah mm-hmm. well as far as health bands where what i'd really like i would actually really like to see more integration with actual actual doctors in in the medical world mm-hmm. so like you know theoretically you could do things because people already do this informally where like they'll get into their 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 app and they'll show their doctor like you know here's my sleep pattern yeah mm-hmm. but that's kind of informal you know right. that can't really be used formally right with, with for doctors to to do stuff but it mm-hmm. certainly doctors w- can make use of it but they'll also 
like if they want to do a sleep study on you that you still have to go in and get hooked up to all their wires and gadgets and, and try to fall asleep with all that right. stuff on you in, in their lab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Whereas like, you know, if we could actually get to where, where the, the health bands are, are true certified medical devices, there'd be a whole lot of stuff that, that doctors could actually do with the data that's, that they gather mm-hmm. and, and could, you know, already, already there are some of them that can do things like, like say, Hey, you, you, you know what, your, your oxygen level and heart rate looks like you might be coming down with Corona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, you know, they actually, you know, there actually are things that, and it would be good if we can actually get to where with a reasonably high degree of certainty, they can actually detect the onset of, of various kinds of conditions and diseases and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we kind of are beginning to get there already, but mm-hmm. but certainly the getting crossing the Rubicon of the of, of the regulators right. is is going to be a pretty big deal. So if I understood correctly, I think it's like technically both from hardware and software side, it's already possible. It's more the legal side, right? We're getting the approval and then from medical bodies like FDA or EMA, and there are legal consequences of it, of course. So I guess that's mm-hmm. where companies might be more careful, but it's technically it's possible, right? We, we, it's, uh, we, we already use it, but it's all informal. Yeah, that, that's very fascinating. I, I also hope, I mean, my, for example, we are getting old as well, but I think more about my parents getting old. And uh, I think yeah. that it can be very, very helpful. I mean, for someone like my dad who has a heart issue. So if it's a medically verified ECG device, he's wearing yeah. all the time that can really change the game. I mean, I remember first time when they recognize he has heart issues, the doctor, uh, the heart doctor looked at his e- ECG and he was like, oh, wow, you really have to go to hospital right away. And imagine mm-hmm. having something like, you know, a verified device, like a yeah. smartwatch, which is telling you and maybe automatically calling 911. Yeah. And I think that can really change the game. Yeah, as I promised, before we wrap up, I have a fun question for you, Greg. Unless, Dev, okay. you have anything else to ask. Uh, maybe before. one small follow-up for both of you before uh-huh. you uh, we wrap up on that. Yeah. Uh, apart from the medical use, is there any fun thing you would like to see in the coming smartwatch or uh, health bands or anything like that? Fun thing. <laughs> a fun thing, like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can give a silly example to start it so that you yeah. don't feel on the spot, which sure. is like uh, within the office, right, right now we do not have offices. We are just all working from home. But it would be, mm-hmm. we used to have something of, like, even we still have it, like children play with it, like something called as a walkie talkie or something. Uh-huh, like yeah. So a small notifier or talking with them system like that, that is something that could be used with, if let's say there's a small game event or a hackathon is happening within the company premises. So that would mm-hmm. be something that would be just fun to quickly select the person and talk to without a cellular call and mm-hmm. make the accessibility even more faster and easier. So there is one mm-hmm. thing that I would enjoy. Also, I would enjoy if they start making these smart watches a little more like watch and not ugly things. So, but that is just mm-hmm. me. I'm the only candidate they don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly, certainly, it w- you know, things like, you know, essentially what you're talking about is having sort of, sort of old-fashioned 
radio capability mm -hmm. in, in, inside the thing so that it could actually be a, a like a, a walkie-talkie or, yeah. you know, like one of the things I always thought would be cool would be, be things like where one of the things that happened, and I guess this isn't really fun, but it, it would be cool if, it, if we could do that would be where if you had a, like in California, when you have a big wildfire, you often have like several thousand firefighters on your, on the line. Right. And firefighting in, in rough terrain is extremely taxing to your body. Mm -hmm. And it would be really good if, if the we had devices that could alert both you and your and your commander mm -hmm. that like you know fire firefighter greg is is having a problem on the mountain mm -hmm. he's over there he's he he might be getting ready to have a heart attack mm -hmm. and maybe you should you should send guys over there to help him you know that kind of thing yeah very iron man like feel that your suit yeah. is 70 percent destroyed and that that your human is 70 percent compromised now he, he needs help <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's one way to look at it yeah, yeah. No, I, I, and I it would be and it would be good if it was not just you know, knowing that it it would be good if if buddies or people around you that that are mm -hmm. like you give permission to know know about your your physical state like right like you know this might not excite you, but I could even see, you know, you know, squads of soldiers in, in the field having this kind of thing, you mm -hmm. know, where like, you know, that almost gets into kind of like, like if you ever watch the aliens movie where like, you know, the, the commander is sitting on, on the, on the ship and he, he actually sees the, the, a bunch of medical data streaming from, from, from the troops he, he's directing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I suspect that we'll have that kind of thing fairly soon too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In a weird way, that's kind of related to things like having, having nearby networking mm -hmm. on, the, on the device. Because, so, right. I, I guess what both of you mentioned, I mean, are some, I mean, there are different use cases of it. I mean, there is fun, as you said, it's fun, but I also think there is like a practical usage of it, right? Mm -hmm. And then of course, what, what you mentioned, Greg, that can literally save lives because right now, as long as your voice is working, mm -hmm. let's say if right. you are conscious, then you have a walkie-talkie, which is serving the same purpose, let's say. But like, yeah. if you are unconscious and someone can already see you before even you realizing it, that would be really cool. Yeah, I, I think for me, as I said, I also don't have like a fun, <laughs> I am not able to come up with something fun I would like to say, but I would definitely like to say what Greg said before, like the more medical uh, use cases uh, use cases of it. And secondly, mm -hmm. the more audio capabilities because I am more of an audiophile and to me, and, and maybe dissociation between watch and your phone because right now they're very much interconnected. You always sort of need uh, one along with the other. You can have phone without a watch, but most, let's say Apple Watch, you need an iPhone to actually mm -hmm. use it, you know, to its maximum capabilities. So I would like to have like watches uh, capable enough where we don't even need smartphone. Yeah. yeah, I mean, certainly it'd be nice to not have to carry something that weighs about a, you know, you know I guess about a quarter kilo in your in your pocket all the time yeah yeah 
yeah so now i would come to my last question and and i i well at least it would be fun for me to know you have been i mean living in california for a long time i guess i mean i i i, I was born here yeah okay <laughs> this i did not knew i i was also looking that you also studied in uc berkeley so your undergrad was also uh, in california Go yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 go bears and and you you live in silicon valley i mean for for many years i guess now my my question is who is the most quote and quote famous person you you hang out with or or maybe you got a glimpse of it could be tech related i mean you also don't live that far from hollywood it could mm-hmm. be it could be someone from that world yeah well i guess strictly speaking my my boss at berkeley was cer- is certainly the most famous guy i worked closely with since prof- you know professor stonebreaker oh, okay. is a, is a, is a turing laureate so oh wow that def- yeah. yeah okay and he won the turing award about 4 years ago mm-hmm. and he basically is one of the founding fathers of relational databases so uh-huh. yeah that's yeah okay i will admit in a weird way like okay. One of the things about you know, have have any of you seen the the TV show? What is that called? Halt and Catch Fire. No, unfortunately, sorry, I'm unfortunately, not. no. Yeah, that's actually a really good show about 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 techie, kind of more senior techies in tech companies. Uh huh. But in in the sense that one of the things about them is, you know, Silicon Valley. You tend to hear about about like Zuckerberg and in like all these guys that right. that you know became billionaires or whatever you know? mm-hmm. and you tend not to hear so much about people who like tend to work in lots of startups that sort of go a little place but don't really take off or whatever and mm-hmm. to be brutally honest that's kind of mostly i've been in that part of silicon valley <laughs> right right you know for whatever reason like you know mm-hmm. and and so like you know you know so that show kind of shows how like, you know, you just keep trying and keep trying and, you know, and eventually you'll get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, I mean, so definitely, you know, I've been around a lot of really smart people. And one of the things I love about being in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. is you don't tend to run into an, a lot of dummies. You, you might run into people <laughs> who have really weird ideas or really right. weird politics or whatever but they mm-hmm. they're usually not stupid yeah mm. they might be crazy but maybe not stupid yeah i mean <laughs> yeah. i i have never lived there uh, but i have visited visited san mm-hmm. francisco i i, I spent about seven or ten days there a uh, mm-hmm. few years ago and you no know, you are totally right i mean even that's something i I kind of also miss from Bangalore to be honest mm-hmm. in Munich like just going to a cafe getting your coffee and then you are meeting this like super amazing person who is doing some crazy stuff for example at Uber or wherever it literally happened yeah. uh, I was with a guy who was working at Uber friend of mine and I went to a cafe and then there is another guy who came he said hey can you look after my dog and and I said yeah cool and he said hey I'm Jeff I also work at Uber I was like I work at Uber I was like oh, okay and then me and my friend and they end up connecting on the work they have been doing so those things <laughs> don't happen haven't happened with me in munich for example mm-hmm. uh, so no i totally get that i totally uh, see the value of having these kind of people especially people like us i mean who are intellectually curious not that mm-hmm. other places don't have that 
but Silicon Valley or San Francisco, let's say, tend to have a lot of those kind of people in one one city. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's why, like, even though a lot of people do feel like they're, we're at the end of, of the idea of sort of the, the, the hub, the physical mm -hmm. hub world. Right. I tend not to believe that because, you know, networking, you know, you still need physical contact. Like one of the things I mm -hmm. think I miss from not being physically in offices is, is so many problems get solved by hallway chats. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. or like random chatting while you're, you're, you're grabbing your, your, your Mountain Dew out of the fridge or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> or your LaCroix, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so on that note, uh, mm -hmm. we would like to say thanks a lot, Craig. Yeah. Thank you so mm -hmm. much for taking out this time. It's, it was such a lovely conversation to have with you and to see a very different side of what people are already aware about your database contributions in the world. Right. Just to see that, what is your opinion on this modern tech? And it's, it's very fascinating to see the curiosity that you've still been able to maintain. It, it, <laughs> and it was thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I, I think if, I don't know how many people are going to listen to it, mm -hmm. but we definitely enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So so thanks again for doing that. Mm -hmm. And of course, we are going to add all the details about Craig, his work, especially check out his Quora, by the way. Like yeah. you will see a lot of his different sides, not just his <laughs> tech side. So, mm -hmm. so check him out there and we will post everything there. So thanks again, Greg, and enjoy your evening. Yep, yep. thank you and enjoy your morning. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.